as you saw a couple of weeks ago, uh, we were sharing with you a couple of the places that we visited with, uh, with our family. My wife uh, is from Argentina, and we were there after 35 years that she had not really been there. So for my family, uh, the kids, uh, it was a, a first-time experience uh, altogether. Now, we visited some amazing places. Nature there is incredible. It's a, it's a very uh, gifted country with, with landscapes and natural beauty, from uh, waterfalls to glaciers that you can walk on. Um, it's just amazing. But traveling with nine people, it's challenging to say the least. And uh, when we were in, in Buenos Aires, in the capital, it was nice because we, we, we managed to have a, a, a minibus picking us up and taking us from and to airports and places. The challenge was when we traveled to other cities away from the capital. Because we had to get three different taxes to take us all nine to the places. And the third week, um, when we travel from Buenos Aires to, 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 the, to the beach in, in, in Mar del Plata, when we got landed there and we we're going to the hotel, we got three taxes. And these three taxes took us to the place, but, so we had to split. And on that particular leg of the trip, in the taxi, it was just Giovanni and myself. And as we went on the taxi, we discovered that in many places, they had this uh, 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 sort of a stations where the police asked certain vehicles for documents and stuff. So our taxi was stopped. And uh, uh, it just happens that, that in my family, all of us have dual citizenship, so we travel with two sets of documents. Paola had the documents for the others, and I have the documents for us Americans. So when we, we were stopped, uh, um, uh, the police officer asked the taxi about his documents. Uh, he handed the documents, and then he turned to the to back seat, and there's Giovanni and myself. And he looked at me and said, sir, do you have documents for you and, your, uh, and, and, the, and the young person there? And I reached into my bag, and I looked for the passports, and I handed him the passports. And it was at that moment that I realized that my phone was no longer with me. Paola and the others had arrived to the hotel, and when she went on her phone and uh, looked in the uh, app about finding friends, she realized that my, that my phone was indicating that I was not going south as everybody else. My phone was going north. Because apparently I dropped my phone in the plane and somebody had took it to a city that we were not going to. So she could see that I was going somewhere else and now she was worried. So she tells the other driver, the one that had driven them to the hotel, hey, my husband is not coming here, he's been taken somewhere else. Of course, she didn't worry about Giovanni, she worried about their husband. And what happened was, that, and what happened was that, that, that she's concerned, and I have no way to tell her, hey, I'm okay. So I'm looking for my phone in the bag, in my pockets. I don't even know how my phone was dropped. Now, if some of you ask me, Pastor, we saw two videos, but you were away three weeks. And yeah, the third week I lost my phone, I couldn't make a video. So Paola, when, when we arrived to the hotel, she saw the taxi arriving and she was hoping that it was us. And then when I waved, she was like, 
you lost your phone. And I said, yep, I did. We could actually see where my phone was, and we asked, hey, how is this city? I said, I wouldn't go there, somebody said. So we didn't go there to get my phone. Uh, it was on enough time for me to delete all the information remotely, uh, but uh, we would not retrieve the phone, thank God, for insurance. But it's a terrible thing when you lose something and there's nothing you can do about it. See, God lost something. We were lost. But he decided that he was going to do something about it. And if you open your notes, follow with me, or open your Bibles. Let's go to the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 29. John, chapter 6, verse 29. The apostle writes this, this is what God wants you to do. Believe in the one he has sent. See, when we were lost, when humanity dropped the ball, God decided to send Jesus. To send Jesus to us, to send Jesus for us, because he was the only one who could retrieve us from the situation that we were in. For the circumstances that trapped us, Jesus was the only one who could go and retrieve us from the most dangerous place in the universe. Now today I want to tell you two things. I want to show you what are the benefits of believing in Jesus. But I also want to tell you what it truly means to believe in Jesus. So let's start with the benefits of believing in Jesus. See, I could tell you 50 benefits of believing in Jesus. But I'm only going to share four with you this morning. So the first benefit of believing in Jesus is that everything I've ever done wrong is forgiven. Can you say it with me? Everything that I've ever done wrong is forgiven. You see, because of Jesus, God forgives us freely, instantly, repeatedly, and permanently. Only because of Him. See, and even, and listen, even if there were no heaven, there is. There is. But even if there were no heaven, just knowing that I could live in this world at peace, wouldn't that be enough? But see, most people carry a secret kind of guilt. A secret kind of, uh, of regret. See, mo most people can't sleep well at night because there's something that is bothering them. Ignore that they could be completely forgiven of whatever they've done. Look at what Acts chapter 10, 43 says. All who believe in Jesus will be forgiven of their sins through Jesus' name. See, you, you know all. This word all in Greek, you know what it means? It means all. <laughs> all. That includes you and me. That includes everyone. Tall people, short people, good-looking people, and me. Includes everyone. You see, this forgiveness, this peace of mind is offered to every single one of us. Now, the word to believe in the Bible is really interesting. Because it's the word pisteo. Can you say pisteo? Pisteo. Now, pisteo is to trust knowingly. See, it's interesting because, see, the word faith is pistis. 
And faith is defined in the Bible as believing on something that cannot be seen. But pisteo, to believe, as is used in believing in Jesus, means to believe on something, to trust on something, but having the assurance, knowing that it's going to happen. How can I illustrate this to you? Stephen, can you help me? Come up here. You, I, I think you, you, you're tall enough. Can you stand on this chair? Now, Stephen is an educated man. Stephen is a man of science. He's a computer engineer, programmer. He knows stuff. <laughs> now, Stephen, can you trust that if you jump, <laughs> I can catch you? Okay, let me remind you, Stephen is a man of very few words. Can you trust? Simple, yes or no? You can trust. Okay. You're very trusting, man. See, there's something that all of us know, and this is why you're laughing. You doubt my ability to catch Stephen. That's my church, by the way. <laughs> and this is the thing. You doubt my ability to catch him because you know for a fact, by a scientific, scientific fact, that there's a law of physics called the law of gravity. And the law of gravity dictates that our body, as it falls to the ground, carries momentum. And the weight of Stephen, that is about 200 and 200 pounds, <laughs> who knows after the holidays, <laughs> falling upon me would be a very interesting thing to watch. <laughs> you haven't seen it, you've never seen it, but you know that the law of physics dictates that that event could be disastrous for Stephen Mosley. Now, that, that is pisteo. You haven't seen it, but you know what is going to happen. Thank you, Stephen. You can come down. I know you like it up there. Thank you. Now, so this is what is happening. This is what is happening. In the book of Acts, it tells us that all who believe, all who pisteo, so to be part of this all could be all of us, but we need to have this assurance that what God is promising, what that Jesus is going to do, it's going to happen. It's a pisteo. Are you with me? Now, a lot of people will miss heaven by 18 inches. A lot of people will miss heaven by 18 inches. And now you're beginning to count. Let me explain to you. They know it up here. But they don't have it here. They know the text. 
They can prove it, but in their lives, it ain't happening. So what, what, what we're trying to do today is to discover what Romans 3.22 is telling us. Notice what it says. It's in your notes. We are made right in God's sight when we trust, when we bestow in Jesus Christ to take away our sins. In other words, we are asked to trust on something that we cannot see, but it's an affirmation that Jesus has already done it. Notice what it says. And we all can be saved in this same way, no matter who we are or what we have done. And it all, again, includes everyone. But I love the last part of the text. No matter who we are or what we have done. What does the Bible say means to believe? Well, if we believe the power of God that be, that's been demonstrated through history, we can confess our sins to him and accept that he will forgive us. The only way that we cannot be forgiven is if we don't bestow. So believing, in, to believe, it's a practical matter, not a theoretical piece of information. And that will lead us to the second benefit. And the second benefit is that I, when I believe in Jesus, I learn God's purpose for my life. God's purpose. How can we know our purpose? How can we find out about our purpose? Because see, when we don't know our purpose, we just drift through life. Life controls you rather than you control your life. And when that happens, we have people that just exist. See, a long time ago, I, I used to play beach volleyball with my, with my friend from college. And, and we used to go to the beach early in the morning. Before when sunrise rising, we would go early in the morning before it got hot and the sand was, would burn our feet. So we would go early in the morning, and, and one time we got to the beach, and, and as we walked on the sand, there was this blanket covering a man. And as we walked by this blanket, the blanket moved, because he was kind of sleeping in the middle of the court. And, uh, and, and, and this man, sleeping inside this blanket on the sand on the beach, he got up, and he said, hey, dude. So, so we politely say, hey, how are you? He said, existing, man. And see, that's the reality for a lot of people. We, people who do not understand their purpose in life. People who are just going through life without living life with purpose. And what happens is that we just exist. Because we have no direction. We have no sense of identity. So let me suggest to you that people who, who have issues with identity, people who have issues with direction, is because they're lacking the spiritual component of knowing who they are in Jesus Christ. Notice what Colossians says in chapter 1 verse 16. Everything, absolutely everything, got started in Christ and finds its purpose in Him. How many things? Everything. And notice that not just says everything, but it says absolutely everything. So that means that every area of your life has a purpose. Every situation in your life has a purpose. Every part of you has a purpose. Every experience that you've lived has a purpose. And let me tell you something, family. Let me tell you something. 
Our purpose is not to live on this planet forever. Let me say that again in case this is the moment when you woke up. Our purpose is not to live on this planet forever. Our purpose is to be with God forever. Oftentimes, I've heard people questioning, questioning God because they pray for something on this planet but didn't happen and they stopped believing in God. See, many times we are more connected to the things that are not eternal than our connection to the eternal things. And that means that we lost our direction, that we lost our purpose. Ephesians 1.11, Paul puts it this way. It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Part of the overall purpose, he is working out in everything and everyone. In other words, the only way that we can find our purpose and direction is when we have a connection with Jesus Christ. When we believe who Jesus Christ is and what he wants to do in our life. So the third benefit that I want to share with you this morning is that when I believe in Jesus, I get God's strength for daily living. See, I used to believe that this wasn't a big deal. I, I used to believe that, that that wasn't a problem. But the more I talk to people, I discover that the number one problem that people have today is not, is not, is not worry, is not, is not guilt, is not fear, is not bitterness, is weariness. We're tired. Have you ever heard somebody complaining because they're always tired? I guess you guys are the tired ones. Because see, for some reason, we are always being depleted of our energy, physical energy, emotional energy, financial energy. We're always attacked in different ways. We're always being used up in different ways. That is why I guess it's so, such a great business to have an energy drink today. Because everyone is looking for that extra edge, extra boost of energy for the day. I, I love that commercial when uh, uh, people are walking around and they're walking around with a battery thing like a cell phone. You've seen it? Because the reality is that we're tired. We wake up tired. We go to bed tired and we don't rest. I like to think that, that our life, we'll, we're living it oftentimes like this. Let's say that I tell one of my sons, Son, you got to vacuum your room. And he goes to the place where the vacuum is stored. He grabs the vacuum. He takes it to his room. But I don't hear the vacuum going. You know that noise? I don't hear it. So after a few minutes, I said, son, did you vacuum your room? He's like, yeah, dad. I even went over the carpet twice. Wait, I, I didn't hear the, the vacuum. He's like, no, Dad, I, I'm saving energy. I didn't plug it in, I, but I went over the carpet twice. <laughs> See, we're living our life like that. We're doing the task. We're doing the thing. We're doing over and over, but we're not connected to the source of power. So 
it doesn't matter how many times we go over the carpet, we're not doing anything. It's useless. You see, Isaiah puts it like this in chapter 40, verse 29. God gives power to those who are tired. Can you say amen to that? Amen to that? God, God gives power to those who are tired and worn out. And he offers strength, strength to the weak. See, life is not easy. There are circumstances. There are challenges. There are unfortunate events that happen daily. And because of those things that happen every single day, all the time, our energy is depleted. We need a strength. Now the question is, what kind of a strength do we need? Paul puts it like this in Ephesians 1. I pray that you will begin to understand how incredibly great his power is to help. Those who believe him. Pay attention to this. It is that same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. It is that same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. Let me say it again. It is that same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. Now, that same power, family, it's available to us. Now, the question is, what does it need to be raised again in your life? What needs to come alive again? Is it the ability to change things in your life, your personality, your past, your habits? We need power greater than ourselves to make changes that we cannot control in our lives. But simply maybe all the power that we need is the power to say no to some things. But see, Jesus promised to give us power not just to say no, but he promised to give us power to start over, to keep going, to change. You might say, well, pastor, that's pop psychology, right? But no. See, Jesus offers powers in this way. He, Jesus offered power to us so that we could be able to handle loneliness. He gave us power. He promised power so we, we can be able to handle pressure. So we could be able to handle stress, to be able to handle guilt and shame, to be able to handle crisis and physical challenges and emotional challenges. In fact, Jesus also promised to give us power to handle relational challenges. So why? why can, how, how can we trust that he can give us a power? Because see, he demonstrated that he could give us a power because he went through all those different challenges and he overcame. So if Jesus has demonstrated what he could do and has promised to give us that same power, that is enough reason for us to believe. That is enough reason for us to be still in the promises of Jesus. So when I believe in Jesus, I get my sins forgiven I get purpose for living. I get power for living. But I get one more thing. And this is like the icing on the cake. I get a guaranteed eternal life. See, now we're talking. Even if none, if none of the other things were available, eternal life would be enough. See, Jesus bringing back to life, coming back to life from the dead changed everything. In fact, our history changed because of that. That is why we have A.D. and B.C. Your birthday is accounted because of Jesus' resurrection. 
the resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus, prove three things. Prove three things. And the first thing, family, is that Jesus is exactly who he said he was. The resurrection of Jesus Christ proved what he claimed to be. Jesus said, I am God. And when he was questioned about his identity of God, he said, you said it. Now, some people say that Jesus was a great teacher. But see, great teacher, although he was a great teacher, would be the only thing that he could be, that, he, that would be impossible for him to be. Let me explain it to you. A good, a great teacher would not say, I am God. Uh, let's do uh, something here. Let's say that next week I come before you and I tell you, guys, I am a decent teacher. And some of you would say, well, that's questionable. And some of you might say, well, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. And we will leave it at that. But if I come and tell you, by the way, I'm God. At that moment, our relationship would change. Because you know, and I know, that I'm not. I could be an okay teacher, but God, no way. So see, a good teacher would never say, I am God. So see, that would be very difficult for Jesus to say, being only a good teacher. Are you with me? Because at that moment, when Jesus said, I am God, people had to make a decision, just like you would have to. And you would have to say, well, this guy is nuts. He's out of his mind. There's no way he's God. Especially my kids would go like, no way. And Paola, whew. He might think he is, but he is not. Because see, the reality is that when Jesus said that he was God, he proved it. Let me explain it to you. He told his disciples, I will be arrested by my enemies. And I'm going to be killed. After I died, I'm going to be in the tomb for not one day, not two days. I feel like LeBron James right now. But three, three days. And after the, thir the third day... On the third day, I will resurrect. Now, it was kind of logical that Jesus was going to be arrested by his enemies. Because it was obvious. So that didn't require a lot of effort. And we have a runner. The second thing is that he was put to death, yes. And he was going to be in the tomb for three days. So people could have been like, okay, day one, day two. Drum roll. Day three. Early in the morning, the Bible says that the women went to the tomb where he was laid to rest. To take his, the, the spices. Because they didn't have time on the first day to prepare him. Because he was Friday night on the Sabbath. But when they went to the tomb, Jesus did what nobody else had done before. See, a lot of people claim to be God, but obviously they weren't because they couldn't prove it. 
But Jesus was the only one who said he was God and proved it. Because on that third day, the tomb was already empty. So Jesus proved to be who he said he was. And see, through history, a lot of people have been put into to trial this idea that Jesus is God. But see, what happens, family, is that the most recorded event in history is the resurrection of Jesus. He has been put to trial many times. And guess what? Still remains. Because it's a historical event that Jesus came to life again. So now, family, let me tell you this. Imagine when Jesus resurrected on that third day, on the fourth day, on the fifth day. He wasn't just resurrected for a few hours. He walked on this planet after his resurrection for 40 days. So imagine those Roman soldiers that put him in the tomb, that nailed him to the cross. And now Jesus is walking by and said, hey guys, I'm back. But see, Jesus was not afraid to be shown, to be seen because he was proving who he said he was so that we can believe in all his promises because Jesus is able to fulfill what he promises. And that is the second thing that he proved with the resurrection, that Jesus fulfilled all his promises. He always keeps them. And the third thing that the resurrection proved, family, is that there is life after death. The fact that Jesus came alive again proves, family, that there's life after death. Death is not the end of things. It's the beginning of eternity. If Jesus hadn't resurrected, that would be a whole different ballgame. Because if Jesus hadn't resurrected, there's no hope, there's no faith, there's no Christianity. There would be no reason for us to be here today. But Jesus said this in John 11, verse 25. Jesus said, I am the one who raises the dead and gives them life again. Why? Because he is the resurrection. He is the life. And he promised that all those who believe in him, though they were dead, they will live. Those who believe, those who pisteo. I love that phrase. I am the one who raises the dead and gives them life again. Why is Jesus the only one who can do this? Because no one else had done it. Only him. Even the most famous verse in the history of Christianity, John 3.16 says it this way. For God so loved the world. I'm sure, I'm sure you've seen this text. You've seen it in the stadiums. You see it, you see it even on Tim Tebow's cheekbones. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever pisteo in him should not perish but have eternal life. See, one of the things that I like to do when I travel is to visit cathedrals. Because the cathedral, more than being just a religious place, it's a historic place. So we got the chance to visit the cathedral at the, in the city of Buenos Aires. And for those of you who like Christian history, that was the place where the current pope used to be the uh, uh, bishop. Uh, and when we walked into the cathedral, I began to walk around because in all these old cathedrals, there's tombs of famous people. But what 
struck my attention was not the religious part of it. It was the historic part of it. Because there is a small, well, not really small, but it's a mausoleum of, of a special man in the history of South America. So when we walked into the, into the cathedral, we saw this place. And this tomb holds the remains of General San Martin. This man was the George Washington of Argentina. In 1809, he fought a very important word, uh, war in, 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 in San Lorenzo in, the, in Argentina. And he defeated the Spaniards, giving Argentina their liberty. But he did not stop there. He went over the Andes and went to Chile and fought for them and gave them independence. He went north and went to Peru and gave them independence. He traveled east and went to Bolivia and gave them independence. He went north and went to Venezuela and gave them independence. General San Martin is the liberator of South America. Now, the only difference between him and Jesus because they both went to a different place to give freedom to the people. They both gave their lives for liberty and freedom. Is that the general, it's dead. And Jesus is alive. And that is enough reason for us to believe that Jesus can make a whole lot of difference in our lives. Today we celebrate. Today we celebrate that victory that Jesus gave us. Today we celebrate with communion the opportunity we have to have a God that we can truly believe on. A God who not only does for us what we cannot do for ourselves, but give us evidence that we can trust Him. Because He's there. He's there. He's done it before. And He can do it today again. And he offered to us the same power that raised him from the dead.